Chapter 10, That We May Better Understand It is recorded that as the Savior sat upon the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to inquire of him, quote, Tell us when these things shall be which thou hast said concerning the destruction of the temple and the Jews. And what is the sign of thy coming in the end of the world, or the destruction of the wicked, which is the end of the world? End quote. This is not unlike the question which we ask of the prophetic accounts of the Savior's coming. And to us, as well as to those disciples who thus besought him anciently, the Savior responded with the injunction to take heed that no man deceive you. He that remaineth steadfast and is not overcome, the same shall be saved. Know the truth. It would seem that the Savior intended that prophecy would provide the faithful with the knowledge which they will need in order to endure to the end. In the sixth chapter of Revelation, John recorded the beginning of those judgments which are to befall the world prior to the second coming. Speaking of the inhabitants of the earth, John stated that they hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? In other words, when the sun becomes black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon is turned red as though it were blood, and the stars fall to the earth, and every mountain and island are moved out of their place, the inhabitants of the earth will assume that the day of the Lord, Lord's coming is upon them, i.e. that he has come. And if we know no more concerning the prophecies of the Lord's coming than the fact that his appearance will be preceded by destruction, we too are apt to expect his coming as immediately follow his coming to immediately follow the initial destruction. Along with the world, we may be wont to hearken to those who declare, Behold, he is in the desert. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. But the Savior's caution is clear. Believe it not. Only the beginning, not the end. Speaking to his disciples concerning the tribulations which would befall the Jews and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the Lord warned his disciples that all things which have befallen them are only the beginning of the sorrows which shall come upon them. It is important for us to understand this and to be familiar with the prophetic accounts of his coming. Quote, for in the days there shall be, there shall also arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if possible, they shall deceive the very elect, who are the elect according to the covenant. Behold, I speak these things unto you for the elect's sake. For all I have told you must come to pass, but the end is not yet. End quote. A type and a kind. The Book of Mormon provides us with an example of the type of persecution to which the faithful may be subjected in the last days. Samuel the prophet had foretold the signs of Christ's birth, and the righteous had looked forward to that day. Quote, but there were some who began to say that the time was past for the words to be fulfilled, which were spoken by Samuel the Lamanite. And they began to rejoice over their brethren, saying, Behold, the time is past, and the words of Samuel are not fulfilled. Therefore your joy, your faith, concerning this thing hath been in vain. And it came to pass that they did make a great uproar throughout the land. And it came to pass that there was a day set apart for the un by the unbelievers, that all those who believed in those traditions should be put to death except the sign should come to pass, which had been given by, the, by Samuel the prophet. End quote. Thus it may be in the last days that the people of the earth will expect to see the Savior coming in glory after the first great destruction, or woe, as John termed it. When he does not appear, they might begin to say, as did the wicked Nephites. Behold, the time is past, and the words of prophecy are not fulfilled. Others may seek to deceive the faithful by saying that he has come, and that he is only to be found in a special place. 
These, the Lord warns, shall show great signs and wonders in order to mislead the faithful. Endure to the end. If we are to take John's three woes literally, then the faithful may have to endure two separate occasions when the prophesied destructions are manifest with the accompanying visitation of the Savior. It may happen that he will appear in the time when a good many have lost hope and when the world persecutes the faithful for their patient waiting upon the Lord. Therefore Jesus warned his disciples, quote, And what I say unto one, I say unto all men, Watch therefore, for you know not at what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, and would not have suffered his house to have been broken up, but would have been ready. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. End quote. Peter also wrote of the last days and explained that the Lord's coming would be, quote, as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? Be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Beware lest ye also, being led away with the terror of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. End quote. Therefore, an understanding of prophecy may help us avoid the deception of the world and the dis illusion of prematurely anticipating the Savior's appearance. A hope for survival. A study of the nature of cataclysms which are to occur prior to the second coming may also cause us some anxiety for our survival and the survival of our loved ones. Nevertheless, the Lord has declared, If ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. When the prophets, ancient and modern, speak of the preparation of the last days, they speak in terms of personal righteousness. The message of the scriptures, notwithstanding the calamities which they enumerate, is a positive message, a message of hope. Prophecy is given that we might know what to expect, and we have the gospel and living prophets that we might know how to prepare for that which is to come. This preparation, the opportunity for salvation, is available to all men. President Wilford Woodruff made this statement, quote, can you tell me where the people are who will be shielded and protected from these great calamities and judgments which are now at our doors? I'll tell you, the priesthood of God who honor the priesthood and who are worthy of the blessings are the only ones who shall have this safety and protection. They are the only mortal beings. No other people have a right to be shielded from these judgments. They are at our very doors. Not even this people will escape them entirely. They will come down like the judgments of Sodom and Gomorrah, and none but the priesthood will be safe from their fury. End quote. Elder Bruce R. McConkie, speaking of the coming tests and trials and glory, provided what may be the most pertinent and poignant statement on this subject. Quote, if we as a people keep the commandments of God, if we take the side of the church on all issues, both religious and political, if we take the Holy Spirit for our guide, if we give heed to the words of the apostles and prophets who minister among us, then from an internal standpoint, all things will work together for our good. Our view of the future shall be undimmed, and whether in life or in death, we shall see our blessed Lord return to reign on earth. We shall see the new Jerusalem coming down from God in heaven to join with the holy city we have built. We shall mingle with those of Enoch's city, while together we worship and serve the Lord forever. End quote. We should not confuse survival with salvation. The gospel teaches us that spiritual salvation, not temporal salvation, is the object of our existence. Eternity beckons to all, to us all. 
No matter the events that take place, we will be blessed according to our righteousness. The question is not so much whether we will live as how. Israel, ancient and modern. Finally, as we consider that we are modern Israel and that the prophecies concerning the times in which we live may be understood in the terms of the Exodus and the Israelites anciently, we should consider the profound implications of the analogy. Throughout the scriptures, the same story is told time and time again. The names and the places change, but the essence of the story never does. A prophet is called of God. His missionary efforts convert many righteous individuals who are ultimately forced to flee into the wilderness in order to escape the persecution of the world. Eventually, they are delivered from the wilderness to a promised land. Enoch, Abraham, Moses, Lehi, Alma, countless others have been a principal actress in such a drama. Enoch, for example, was called of God to preach repentance. He was a most successful missionary, but the world persecuted the righteous which he had found, and so the Lord gave Enoch great power over his enemies and allowed him to gather the saints of his day to a city of their own which they called Zion. Abraham was called to gather a few righteous and flee to a new land, which the Lord gave not only to him, but to his posterity forever. And the Lord told Abraham that one day the city of his descendants would be called Zion. Jared was instructed to take those who would believe on his word and flee to the land of the Tower of Babel. He was guided by the word and power of the Lord in so much that he was able to do great and marvelous things for the benefit of his followers. They too were led to a land of promise. Thus the story was retold in the lives of many, many prophets and saints. And so it is today. The principal actors in this dispensation are the prophet Joseph Smith and the Latter-day Saints. There was an initial gathering in the days of Joseph Smith, but the church was forced to flee into the wilderness because of persecution. Today the gathering still continues, and now it is to the stakes of Zion, not to a city of Zion. We have been told by every prophet since Joseph Smith that the day will come when the saints will return to build up Zion. We as a people are still in the stage of a sojourn in the wilderness. The next stage is that of deliverance to the promised land. This parallel was strongly reinforced by the Lord when he said, quote, Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel, and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power, and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. End quote. This prophecy was not fulfilled by Joseph Smith, for Zion was not redeemed in his lifetime. Brigham Young certainly fit the picture of a modern Moses, but he, like Joseph Smith, did not lead modern Israel to a redemption of Zion. He led them into the wilderness. Saints to be delivered. The inference is unmistakable. In the curious parallelism of the gospel, we are the house of Israel. We will be led out of the wilderness to the promised land. And the message seems clear. The saints will return to Jackson County under circumstances similar to those which the Israelites experienced when they left Egypt and went to their land of promise. For as your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Furthermore, many of the statements of the brethren concerning the return of the saints to Jackson County are filled with symbolism of the Exodus. Their statements taken together with the statements made by the Lord in the Doctrine and Covenants make a strong case for the idea. For example, Elder Orson Pratt made this statement, quote, We shall go back to Jackson County. When we go back, there will be a very large organization consisting of thousands and tens of thousands, and they will march forward. The glory of God overshadowing their camp by day in the form of cloud and a pillar of flaming fire by night, the Lord's voice being uttered forth before his army, end quote. 
Even the Lord's characterization of the land of promise contains an unmistakable metaphor. Quote, And I hold forth and deign to give unto you greater riches, even a land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey, and to w- upon which there shall be no curse when the Lord cometh. End quote. The poetic passage usage... <laughs> The poetic usage, a land flowing with milk and honey, came from the effects of manna precipitating in the rivers and streams, which then became sweet to the taste and turned a creamy white. Manna was a direct manifestation of past catastrophes. Its use in describing future events creates the strong implication of similar similar cataclysms yet to come. Amid great destruction, in vision, President Wilford Woodruff saw the Jackson County area. His description also implies great destruction. I seemed to be standing on the left bank of the Missouri, and the Illinois and all of Iowa were a complete desert with no living being there. That statement taken with the statement attributed to Heber C. Kimball by Amanda H. Wilcox makes the concept clear. Jackson County will be swept so clean of its inhabitants that there will not be left so much as a yellow dog to wag his tail. Today, the area in and around Jackson County, Missouri is very heavily populated. (laughs) Populated. But the two previous quotes tell us that it will be swept clean. What could cause such devastation? In the past, great walls of water washed across land masses, sweeping the land clean. Brigham Young said, The seas will heave itself beyond its bounds, engulfing mighty cities. Might it be that the same agent will sweep the Missouri River clean in the destructions prophesied to occur just prior to the saints' return to the promised land? All these statements seem to indicate that the return of the saints to Jackson County will occur during or subsequent to one of the great destructions to occur in the last days. Speaking of the return trek, Joseph F. Smith made this statement concerning the difficulties which the saints would encounter. Quote, they will find the journey back to Jackson County will be as real as when they'd come out of there. Now mark it. And though you may be led by the power of God with a stretched out arm, it will not be more manifest than the leading the people out here to those that participate in it. They will think there are a great many hardships to endure in this manifestation of power of God. The Promise Modern Israel will be led by a prophet. The power of God will lead them. For the most part, they will be delivered from the destruction they will see all around them. The same destruction that decimates the world will be the deliverance for the saints. They will be given a promised land, swept clean for their arrival. Modern Israel will be delivered by the power of God. There are three appended appendixes, appendices, appendices. Yeah, that's a word, right? <laughs> to this book, the first is Appendix A, biographical sketch of Dr. Emanuel A. Vilikovsky. Appendix B is an overview of Velikovsky's reconstruction of past changes in the solar system. And Appendix C is the vision of Charles D. Evans.